WIFA Waves is sponsored by WIFA Accelerator, an education hub to amplify your career. Shop the hub or explore our persona pathways to find all the ways that you can accelerate your career trajectory and make meaningful partnerships along the way. We want to help you crush your near and long-term goals. So collaborate with us over at womeninfitness.org backslash accelerate. Hello, I am Lindsay Rainwater, founder and CEO of the Women in Fitness Association. And I'm Morgan Hills Adetoye, director of all things WIFA. And this is WIFA Waves the sound waves of your career. A podcast devoted to supporting the who, what, and how of your career trajectory. We got you. Let's ride these waves together. Yeah, let's do it. Hello, everyone. Today on the WeFo Waves podcast, we have Miss Danielle Steed Blanton. She's an attorney and business coach working with business professionals, owners to provide the tools, resources, and support to create and grow operationally efficient, legally sound, and financially thriving businesses. Using her experience as a studio owner and investor and her perspective as an instructor herself, Danielle advises, assists, and coaches fit pros of every size across multiple continents and countless countries. In her past life, Danielle was a D1 collegiate national champion water polo player and sponsored marathon runner, turned corporate attorney at a major international law firm. She lives in Los Angeles with her husband and Husky, and she is also a WIFA board member. So Danielle, thank you for being here. Wow. What an introduction. Thank you, Morgan. Thank you so much for having me. No, thank you. What a bio you've done a a lot lady. So we're super excited to have you and for our community to hear from you. I love it. I'm so excited just to spend more time with WIFA and to spend more time getting to know all of the wonderful women in it. So this is just such a joy to get to be here and be here with you too. I love it. Well, one of our questions that we open up every podcast because a listeners love to hear this question and also we love to know it, but what's your WIFA story? How did you find us or what's your favorite memory of being a part of the association? Wow. So I was really lucky because I was found by actually you, Morgan, you reached out to me and you sent me an email and just said, I'm Morgan. I work for the Women in Fitness Association. We think that you'd be a great fit in this organization. And I was honestly just a little blown away because, you know, I feel like in fitness, women are so clicky, honestly, that I was, I was really excited that somebody reached out and said, be part of our, our, our group. And I, and I thought this is such a great opportunity. I want to get to know these women. I want to get to know what they're about. And this was actually at the very beginning of March, right before COVID shut the whole world down. And then fast forward a few weeks, you guys are doing a uh, member meeting, I believe, or it was a webinar. And it was specifically related to COVID and how it was impacting the fitness industry. And I remember Lindsay reached out and said like, you know, we'd love to have you. We'd love to have you be on this new friend to the group. And I was so taken back because again, it's so rare that people are so inclusive and welcoming. And you guys were just so 
welcoming. It's just like, there's a seat right here at you for this, at this table, like, please be part of it. And that was so beautiful and so cool. And so then after we did that webinar, it was literally my first time meeting Lindsay, getting to do this webinar. I got all these messages on LinkedIn and on Instagram and emails of just people saying, welcome to WeFa. It's so great to meet you. And it was like, welcome to this mythical island of really cool, smart women that we all want to be together in. And that to me is, you know, the most beautiful welcome, the most beautiful introduction to WeFa. And that is absolutely my favorite memory because it just really embodies the spirit of what this organization is about. Mm. Morgan, are you smiling from like head to toe? Because I am. Right? Ear yeah, to I, ear. Ear to ear, head to toe. Well, Danielle, I'm thinking back on that webinar. And I think that was like one of the days that I had Sebastian home and he was teething and I was a hot mess express in a, in a great way. Like I, I really believe in showing the whole picture and my life includes to little people as part of my whole picture. And so what a fun memory that that was for me to just reflect on as well. It was funny, Lindsay, because I remember it was, it was like the, the very beginning of COVID and I hadn't washed my hair. And like, for those who can't <laughs> see me, I have very like thick, wild hair. We call it a wild mane. And you kind of made this face and I know it wasn't intentional, but you probably looked at my hair and thought we picked this girl, huh? With the crazy hair. Oh gosh. But it was, it was very much embodiment of like, this is what life looks like right now. We're all mm-hmm. a little crazy. You had Sebastian. I was crazy. And, and we just, we, did a cool thing anyways. And I think that that just speaks volumes to (laughs) the character of all of us. (laughs) Absolutely. And if anything, I was looking at your hair with awe and respect. (laughs) Probably I've lost more hair than I have on my head from giving, you know, giving birth in the last couple of years. So so I, uh, I admire your hair. So (laughs) being of children, I want to talk about your early childhood and within the WIFA community, We talk a lot about how our childhood, you know, under five years old, like those early, early years really informs so much of our day to day. Like I know I was a big fan of throwing parties and picnics and getting lots of my stuffed animals together. And what do you know, I do that a lot today. So I want to know, like, what's your early childhood memory that reflects upon your day to day today? Um, it's so funny that you talk about that because my parents love telling this story to anyone who will listen, but I actually am the youngest. I have two older brothers. One is biological, one is adopted, and um, they they were the sweetest older brothers ever, but they, when I was first, you know, coming around, little, little fresh baked nugget, like to test me to see if they could be like kind of bossy older brothers. And I don't know how I remember this. Maybe it's just through stories. I stamped my foot and I looked at both of them. I said, don't tell me what to do. Okay. And they both were so taken aback that for the rest of their lives to this day, they still just don't tell me what to do. And so (laughs) my parents were just like, in that moment, we knew that we were raising a strong, independent woman (laughs) and that, um, you just never took, I never took flack from anybody. I never, you know, people talk about how being the youngest or that they had brothers that would beat them up my brothers knew to never mess with me. And, and I think that that was something that my parents, one, they were just both like so much bigger than I was. And so they wanted them to be um, gentle, but to me, I like to think of it as I came out of the womb, like deciding to be a strong woman. And since, you know, day one, Mm -hmm. that's who I've been. So. Mm -hmm. I love that. Mm -hmm. And you're an Aquarius. So I'm Aquarius. explains a lot. (laughs) 
Danielle and I, the other day, um, she posted something about being an Aquarius and was like, I'm an Aquarius. Lindsay, are you as well? I am an Aquarius. I'm a cousin Aquarius, but I'm an Aquarius. When's your birthday? February 13th. Ooh. Oh, you're right next to Valentine's Day too, huh? I am within hours. I mean, two hours short of being a V-Day baby. Do you, do you and your hubs do distinct birthday valentines or what do you do to celebrate well when we first met i was playing it cool and pretended that i didn't care about valentine's day which is not true i care a lot about it and so now it's very distinct (laughs) i love that man i love that well three aquarians on one call that's the best a lot of good energy Um, well, you know, speaking of just growing up and things of that sort, um, and I wanted to mention actually really quick before we move on to the next question, I, uh, appreciate you saying that you're a bossy and things of that sort. And I just, I love, especially recently, all of the things that are coming out of like, bossy is not the word that we use. And as you mentioned, you just felt like you were a leader. And so removing bossy, replacing leader, Mm -hmm. especially for young girls, and that that is what it is. Mm -hmm. Snaps that. (laughs) Uh, Well, tell us a little bit about your first job and, you know, what that was, what did it teach you? What do you still hold today? Oh my gosh. So my parents were very much the type of people who, if we wanted something in life, we had to work for it. And they instilled a really solid work ethic into all of us. And um, they worked really hard for everything they had. And we had a very, very comfortable life. Like we're so grateful for that. But my parents were just like, you want a car? You have to have a job. You want to have this? You have to have a job. So I started working in high school when I was 15 because I just wanted to make money again, same thing, still just want to work hard and, and do well. And so I actually started working at a pizza place, like a fast, casual pizza place in my hometown. And, um, I worked the register. I would like bring food out to the table. They would pack takeout orders. And I have to tell you every single human being alive should have to either work in food service or in retail. And I worked both. I did the pizza place and then I went and worked retail and it teaches you so much about just general kindness and consideration and compassion and how to interact with people and how to interact with unkind people and how to keep your cool and keep your head held high. And, you know, one of the things I, I learned is that like, you're never beneath work, you know, you're never beneath any job that's ever presented to you. And it doesn't matter the car you drive or the house you live in. Like we all need to find value in hard work and we all need to respect each other for doing hard work. And that was, um, thankfully a lesson I learned very early on (laughs) while smelling like pizza grease for years straight. (laughs) Pizza grease. Literally, I can't think of an episode I don't say that on. It's like you should work in food service, any type of customer service that you have to scrub a toilet and you have Mm -hmm. to be kind and learn to make eye contact with people and fix problems for customers. Mm -hmm. I feel like it's their skill sets that you take everywhere. And whether it's, for me, it was coffee shops and, um, you know, scrubbing toilets at 3am and floor drains and smelling like, I don't know why, but coffee starts to smell like cigarettes after a while when you come home Mm -hmm. from working at a coffee shop. But the Morgan and I talk about this all the time, just the, the skill set that comes inside of those jobs. Oh my Mm -hmm. gosh. And it's, it's like, 
we tend to look at these jobs and we relegate them to like, or, or, or more I should say, we have like this negative connotation with it. But I think that there's so much value to them and there really are like so character building and they're also just foundational in our communities. And I think that um, I know when I have kids, that's the first job they're gonna have. So <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. And even as like, Amen. as you grow older in um, college and stuff, right? Like mm-hmm. I, I think that a lot of us had those first jobs, but then we get, we grow into adults and we lose the appreciation for um, service and like being kind to our mm-hmm. bartenders and servers and things of that sort, because it's kind of like so far in the past, we forget. I was so grateful because I worked at a restaurant for my first job as well, but then later on in my life, I worked as a cocktail server at a bar and like it reinstilled that <laughs> appreciation because now I'm like, I tip really well that I have money and I can do that. And, you know, things of that sort that I was so happy that I did it again later in life because you forget sometimes about scrubbing those toilets, but then having to do it at 3 a.m. after you know, a long night of people drinking is like a whole nother level of mm-hmm. being humbled. Oh my God. <laughs> mm-hmm. 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 So switching gears um, from toilets to highlights, I want to hear about <laughs> what are some of your, your career highlights that you are, you personally hold dear to your heart that you're so proud of? So I have to tell you, um, 2020 was a really hard year for everyone, but I also found that in 2020, I found some of the most wonderful highs and, um, and, and so anybody who's listening to this and thinking like this year is awful or cancel this year or anything like this year is the year that, that was so transformative for us. And so I find so much gratitude towards it. And I know I'm probably in the minority in saying that, but, um, but really, truly, I, I look at this and I think like, wow, how wonderful. And, and just to, to be in this position to even say that, like that, that's a whole other thing. But um, I actually started the year off. I earned a Nike sponsorship. Um, Nike hosts a women's marathon. They actually did it for years, um, about a decade ago, and they got rid of it. And they were bringing it back to Los Angeles this year. And so they went on the search and they picked 25 women across the globe to be the captains for it, to lead trainings across their community. And I was picked to be one of them, which I think as any little girl who played sports growing up, you look at the girl in the Nike ad and you know, you didn't know if you saw yourself and you didn't know there was space for yourself and you didn't know what that meant. You played soccer, you played t-ball, but then to go be a collegiate athlete, to go be, you know, a, a, a fitness instructor, to be in the fitness industry. And so to get that, you know, I hate to say the word validation, but to get that affirmation, I guess is the right word that, you know, women can be leaders in our industries. We can be leaders in sports that like that little girl who used to play t-ball with all the boys can, can be really proud of me. And so that was without a doubt, a career highlight. And unfortunately COVID canceled our race. And so we never got to run it, but the day of the race, all 25 captains, we actually went out into our neighborhoods and we ran the distance ourselves. So that was a very, very special moment. And I look back on it and I will be so grateful to Nike forever for welcoming me into their family and giving me this opportunity. So that is without a doubt a career highlight. I will tell my children about it. I will probably talk to anyone who wants to hear about it. About it. Um, <laughs> that is on number one. I would say number two was honestly, this year has been such a career highlight for me. And it, I think is accumulative. It was pivoting my business to truly coach fitness professionals 
and to, you know, I am an attorney. I do work with them on like the legal and operational, but to coach them how to be strong business owners and be a strong force in a very stormy climate. And that has been really fulfilling to watch people. And I talk about this a lot um, on my side of the business that I have clients that are having the best years of their careers. I have clients that are finally stepping into their power. I have clients that are being sponsored that are doing cool things. And I would have never gotten to be there had it not been so crazy this year. I was able to become a WEFA board member. Like, wow. And so I look at this year and I look at the craziness of COVID as just as oddly a career highlight. I didn't think I was going to say that when I started talking, but I, as, I, as I'm spewing this out, I realized like, wow, like what a career highlight that you, you know, mother nature gave you the most crazy circumstance and in it, you found a purpose. And that's really cool. Mm. Mm. So inspiring. Thanks guys. <laughs> <laughs> no, truly, you know, it's been so fun to get to know you just in these past few months and to see the presence that you have for your audience as well. So we are really grateful to have you as part of the board and super excited to just continue the work. The feeling is so mutual. So, so mutual. Well, tell us, you know, you mentioned about you are an attorney. So tell us like, that's how, is that how your career started and what has that journey looked like and transformations been like? Oh my gosh. Yes. So I still consider myself an attorney. I'm a practice attorney. I keep my license active because I do, I practice law every day. Um, I was a traditional attorney. I went to law school in 2008 when the economy crashed, when we kind of went through our our first big recession. Um, I graduated into an economy that didn't have a lot of jobs for post-college grads. My parents are both doctors. I wanted to pursue a career in PR. I was actually working in the magazine industry. I was working for Harper's Bazaar and there wasn't space to have a a career or do those things that we thought we would be able to do. And so my parents were like, why don't you go to law school? Like they just saw the opportunity and they loved it for me. And so I said, okay, I took my LSAT. I did pretty well. I I got into a great law school and, and I hopped on that train and I thought, you know what, this is, I'm a really big believer in things happening for a reason. So I kind of just thought maybe this is your path and this is how you had to, it had to be presented to you. Um, I went to law school. It was very cutthroat. It was not my cup of tea but I'm very stubborn. That's my other best quality. I'm stupid stubborn. And I decided to stay in it. I started this, I'm going to finish it and see what happens. Finish law school. And I said, okay, if you, if you pass the bar, that's your sign. Pass the California bar. (laughs) That was my sign. I started practicing and thought, you know, you put so much time and effort into getting this, this license. Why don't you just give it a chance? And so I kept making excuses for myself. I kept not listening to my gut because I could justify it. And who is going to give up admission to a prestigious law school? Who's going to give up a prestigious law firm job? Who's going to give up a six-figure salary in your first year of law? Like, you know, who does that? And so I just kept saying yes. Um, I ended up meeting my now husband, and he met me at probably my low point in life. I was unhealthy. I was not taking care of myself. I was mentally unwell because I was working like crazy in an abusive law firm environment. And this is the best story ever. He sits me down one day and he's just like, I love you. I want to spend the rest of my life with you, but you're a miserable human right now. I need you to not be a miserable human anymore. (laughs) 
And that was kind of my cue to get out of law or get out of that firm and, and, you know, figure things out. And so we eat, pray, loved. We went to Italy for a month. We had a great time. I came back. I realized I had no desire to go back to a law firm. I didn't want to do that. And I think it actually stemmed from, I didn't like to be told what to do. (laughs) And I knew that there was so much more for me than just like, logging hours and working for clients who are horribly unethical, who are, you know, I worked for multi-billion dollar fortune, a hundred companies. They weren't the feel good things that I do now. And so I realized I have to care about my clients. I have to believe in their purpose to be happy. And I started just doing like really basic freelance work for people I knew. And then I um, ended up going to the gym a lot. The gym I went to is a really, really nice international chain. They picked me up. They said, we love you. We want a teacher. We'll train you. I said, cool. And then all of a sudden I was now a fitness instructor. And that's weird. Cause you go from being an attorney, which people all of a sudden, you know, you say, oh, I'm an attorney. They're like, oh, wow, that girl's got it going on. Versus if you say, oh, I'm a fitness instructor, they kind of give you the head tilts and they're like, oh, that's nice. But what are you, what are you going to really do with your life? Mm. And you really experience that, that feeling, you know, to kind of talk about like food service, about like treating people well, like how people treat you and you say you're an attorney versus how people treat you and you say you're a fitness instructor. And that to me was so awful. And I got really embarrassed and I thought, oh my God, like all of my law school friends stopped talking to me because they thought that I like kind of sold out. My parents were horribly upset with me that I quit law. My dad for probably the first two to three years still forwarded me job postings from his friends law firms for two to three years and so it was really this like moment of what are you doing with yourself did you make the biggest mistake ever but at the same time when I put that microphone on when I taught class when I connected with clients it was the happiest I had been in years Mm -hmm. and I just knew like that's where you're supposed to be and so I started trying to figure out how to make law and fitness work and it was very easy because God bless every studio owner out there, but most studio owners are amazing, amazing instructors, have amazing community. They're not the best business owners and that's okay. They don't need to be. They need someone to teach them how to be a good business owner. And then I saw a hole in that market. I stuck myself right in it and a lot of stumbling and falling and picking myself back up again. And, you know, we've, we've turned it into a very, um, hopefully impactful and purposeful business. So Mm. Gosh, I, I'm really inspired by, well, first of all, good on your husband for at the time. Uh-huh. I mean, what a risky move to sit the woman that you're um, dating or, you know, were you guys engaged at the time or dating? We were, we were like on that cusp of like, mm-hmm. I knew he was going to propose. Mm-hmm. So I was kind of like, well, mm-hmm. he's not totally full of it. Cause you do want to marry him, but we weren't <laughs> like, we weren't committed to anything yet. You know, mm-hmm. we were living together. Yeah. Yeah. But I thought you're going to quit a job and then you're going to move in with this guy and he's going to support you. And then what if you break up and you have nothing, you know, like that was a right. huge risk. Oh, so risky and so cool that he was willing to call you out. And what a good foundation that creates for a partnership in marriage to just be like, hey, you're capable of way more. Pull your head out of your booty and let's go. Like, you know, whatever that yeah. conversation mm-hmm. looks like. How cool. Mm -hmm. I was going to say the same. I'm like, shout out to our male champions, right? Mm -hmm. I know Lindsay and I both have very supportive husbands who've been similar for us, even in the early ages of our um, relationship. But I think sometimes 
good men don't get enough of a uh-huh. shout out in the sense of, you know, they say behind every man is a great woman. And then behind every great woman, there's a whole bunch of great other, you know, great women. But also mm-hmm. I would say like behind every great woman, there's also great men or a great man. So shout out. Mm-hmm. Seriously, shout out. Mm-hmm. And I always tell my friends, if you don't have someone that supports you to that level, just, mm-hmm. just wait, like you'll find that person. Like that's mm-hmm. the level of that's to me is when I knew like, okay, like I was on the fence a little bit. Cause Pat was like, Pat came in strong and hot. And I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> but when you have someone that believes in you in mm-hmm. any aspect in friendships and relationships, like that's what a true relationship is, you know, and that's what we should all be striving for. Mm-hmm. I could not agree more. And whether you're, you know, male or female uh, partners, you know, it's so important to mm-hmm. have that champion at home to be able to be your best with clients, with your work. Mm-hmm. And, you know, oh, it's so wonderful that you had that. And also to remain consistent, even though you were getting pressure from your family, I find that's one of the hardest things to or circumstances to walk through is when you're feeling pressure especially from your family to do a certain thing to stick to what you know lights your soul fire instead of maybe going the path that they think is best for you and I'm I'm curious I would imagine that having that bouquet of experiences really supports your work as a business advisor. And I'm so curious, especially for the listeners and then just for my own, I'm so curious myself as well. Like what are some common questions that you get as an advisor? Oh my gosh. So first things first, everyone wants to talk about money and they Mm -hmm. should. Mm -hmm. Money is such a (laughs) wonderful conversation for lack of better terms. And we've put this weird notion in it that it has to be icky or uncomfortable or awkward. And I look at money as an energy exchange. Cause if you stress out about anything else, don't get me wrong. I've been in a renovation that's like sucked my bank account. So we're, we're trying really hard to still look at it as an energy exchange, but you know, you, you have to look at it as a business owner that if you don't understand what your books look like, if you don't understand what you're bringing in, you don't understand what you're spending, you don't understand what you're paying yourself you're doomed to fail. doesn't matter how great your idea is. doesn't matter anything. And so let's take the awkward out of it and let's sit down and let's look at these things. How are you accepting money from clients? How are you paying your employees or paying yourself? How are you writing off expenses? These are really basic questions that being a business owner is so much more than having a great idea. You know, going back to the fitness studio, it's so much more than being a really great fitness instructor. You have to be a business owner and that's part of it. And so something I really work with my clients is that I want you to look at me as like your business therapist. You can tell me numbers. They can be as high or as low. You'd have no shame in it. Let's just know what we're working with so that we don't overspend. We don't overexhaust. We're doing things right. We don't pay too much in taxes. And so that is without a doubt, like the biggest thing that clients talk to me about is money. Um, the second thing that they talk to me about is liability waivers. Oh my God. Uh, fitness industry, liability, There's it always exists. And people just always say, D, Danielle, where can I download a free liability waiver? And I always say you can get it from your friend because that's about the only place you're going to find it. Um, Liability waivers are so key in our fitness industry. If you've ever seen me ramble on and on about it on, you know, a blog or an IG live, it's so key as a business owner that you have a waiver that's crafted for you, for your business specifically, for your needs, your clients specifically. And so if you're, if you're having that question of like, how do you find one? What do you do? reach out to somebody like me and we can point you in a direction that is actually going to protect you. 
And that's really key is just protecting you. And then third, it just comes down to protection. What do people want to know about is how do I protect my assets? I own a house. How do I make sure my business doesn't get sued and I lose my house? The most extreme situation, circumstance, I've actually never heard of it happening. Knock on wood, you know, pray that it never happens to anyone we know, but um, it, it's good. It shows to me that people are, are concerned about doing it right and protecting themselves and protecting their investment. And um, yeah, but I, everyone has different questions based on what they do, but these are definitely the ones that I hear weekly. So, yeah. Weekly. I love it. <laughs> Money and protecting yourself. Yes. Very, very, very important. Mm-hmm. Yes, definitely. Mm-hmm. And I echo it a million times because we talk about that a lot too. I think that um, fitness professionals are incredible and unique people and so creative and so good at their craft, but you need that support to help your business thrive. And, you know, it's good to invest in yourself. It's good to invest in your business to ensure that you are protecting yourself at all costs for sure. Absolutely. Couldn't say it better. What are a few things um, that someone should do if they're about to branch out and start their own business that you would advise them on? Oh my gosh. So first things first is get ready to get messy. I, I tell everyone this. I tell myself this daily. I think being a business owner, you would know this, like both you, Lindsay and Morgan, starting any new venture is uncomfortable. There's uncertainty and you have to just be okay living in that gray area. And I know a lot of people who are very type A, they're very much perfectionists and they struggle because they can't hit post unless everything's perfect. They can't say yes unless everything's perfect. And I think being a business owner is largely about just taking imperfect, messy action, getting it wrong a hundred times, but getting up 101 times. And if anyone out there is listening to this and you're just like, but wait, here's the deal. Most people are never even going to notice any, any little typo or any little thing that wasn't perfect or any little hair that was a jar. And so just go out and start and just, just know that whatever you're doing, you have enough faith in yourself to do it. And so don't sweat the small stuff with it, you know, just, just go, just do. Um, and then the other really big thing that business owners need to just be really cognizant about is that you can, again, going back to a fitness instructor, you can be a really great fitness instructor. You can be a really great hairstylist, makeup artist, anything like that. But I want you to be very, very clear on what you do and who you help because our job is ultimately as fitness professionals to make people's lives better, to help people. And so, you know, you don't just wake up and say, I'm going to be a fitness professional. You wake up and say, I want to teach spin. I want to do yoga. I want to, you know, be on the social media side. Think about your strength and always lead with your strength and always lead with what problem you are provide or what solution you are providing people's problems. I think that's where a lot of people get uh, caught up in like the noise and the messaging is that they're always trying to be like me, 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 you know, WIFA, for example, like WIFA always presents itself as we provide a community. We provide this value. We provide mentorship, career development. I listen to your value statements in WIFA and I think like problem, check, problem, check. They, you, you guys literally just are a one-stop shop for me to be able to find all of my solutions, right? And that's what's so appealing to me with you guys. And so as business owners, make sure that you're always presenting solutions. Instead of talking about how great you are, we know how great you are. Talk about the solution that you're going to give and then clients are going to just be pounding down your door to work with you. 
I really appreciate you honing in on the solution aspect of what you're describing and also that you've got to be clear on the value proposition that you're offering or how in the world are you going to manifest and attract your ideal clients if you don't know exactly who you're there to serve. So Mm -hmm. love, love, love what Mm -hmm. you just described. Oh, so good, sweetheart. <laughs> I, just love it. I it's interesting. Like I, I had to mute myself a couple of times because I was talking to you while talking. So, anyways, the industry, gosh, it's changed a lot mm. in a really short period of time this year, and I think there was a lot leading up to it. And what are you happy to see that has changed in 2020? Oh my gosh, I. I'm so proud of so many people on a personal level, on a professional level. So COVID shut the world down, right? And everyone took a second. And I watched so many people just say, nope, today's not the day, Satan. And they picked themselves up and they got on Zoom. They got on IG Lives. They opened their Venmos to donation. They created their own virtual studios. They stood up. And I think that a lot of us have relied on our studios to provide protection for us. And as studio owners, I mean, no disrespect because I totally understand, you know, studio owners, you took yourself virtual, you, you rallied your entire teams, you kept your communities engaged. I think that what we learned is that a squad is a squad is a squat is a jumping jack is a burpee. It's how you connect with people that will keep them coming back forever. And people have been able to hone in on that and make those connections. And so even though the industry has changed and I couldn't even tell you where I think it's going to go in tomorrow slash next year, I'm really happy that we've recognized that it's the connection and the community that keeps us together. And as long as we can fight to preserve those, then we're going to be okay. Yes. <laughs> like, that's all you can say after something like that. I, you said it beautifully and I think it needs to be heard and shouted from the rooftops. And so thank you for that. Mm-hmm. Shout it out loud. Right. Well, we will jump into some rapid fire fun questions now to end on a fun note and not to say that this hasn't been fun because this has fed my soul, which I hope that it has done the same for many other people, which I think it will. Um, so Lindsay and I will kind of go back and forth on some fun questions. And the first one I will ask you is what is your favorite song right now? Oh, what is my favorite song right now? Ah, well, you know what? I'm going to just stick to, um, I'm a huge Taylor Swift fan and she like released this Mm -hmm. album and it's very, it's called folklore and it's kind of like sing-songy and finally I feel like the weather is appropriate for it. And so uh, anything on that album right now is like finally speaking to me. Mm. I'll say that. Mm. Isn't that the Bonnie Vare? Did I say Mm -hmm. that right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 That kind of, that was the type of music that my husband and I listened to during the season that we were falling in love. And so it always reminds me, I'm like, thank you, T-Swift. You are singing to my soul. (laughs) So cool. I want to know if there's anything, well, in you, if you stream or binge watch shows, what are you watching? Oh girl. Okay. So I watched Schitt's Creek during the, the shutdown. I watched Mm -hmm. it the first time and I cried my eyes out and then became a mega fan. And then I made Pat, my husband re the whole thing again with me. 
it is I, I've heard mixed reviews from people. To me, it is one of the best shows that's ever been made on television because it is a world where everyone can find love and happiness and joy. Mm. And if you are in this place that you're just like, the world is awful and everything's going to, you know what, put that show on and just give it a chance. Okay. Deal. Cause I'm one of, <laughs> I've, I've watched three episodes of the very beginning and I, I keep coming back to it. Like you can do it, just go for it. So you've re- You've re-inspired. I will come back to it. I will say season one was slow. I had this conversation yesterday. Season one was slow. Get into it. And then season two, you'll be like, okay, I'm glad I I stuck through it. Okay. I can do that. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) What is a place that you haven't traveled to that you would like to travel to? So we were supposed to do Australia and New Zealand this year. Um, and it got canceled. So that is something I was bummed about, but the island's not going anywhere. So we'll be back or we'll get there, I should say. Nice. What about, okay. So I, I know like it, I, my guess is you don't wear a ton of makeup because you're very naturally stunning. And I'm curious if you have a beauty trick or hack or product that you can't live without right now. I know this is so cheesy, but sunscreen 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 I have really um this is such an overshare I have a skin condition called melasma so I have like like kind of splotchy and people are always like don't you wear sunscreen and I'm like you have no idea and so (laughs) for me I want to stay young forever Mm. um I should have said Botox but I didn't know if that was crass but um, (laughs) (laughs) but sunscreen maybe a little tinted moisturizer on top like that's all we really need ladies like just Mm -hmm. protect ourselves Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yes I'm a big proponent of sunscreen as well. It's really not very nice, but I remember being younger and this woman that used to um, be a coach of mine, she had like her neck was very wrinkly (laughs) and I could never like stop staring at it. And it was just not kind. I, that's actually a problem. I still have always had as a child is I kind of have a staring problem, but um, I remember her telling me, you need to wear sunscreen and I will make sure that, you know, you won't look like this if you wear sunscreen. And so I was like that person on my soccer team in high school. I was like, everyone, you need to put sunscreen on, not just your face, your neck too, your chest too. Like you don't want wrinkly chest, like not even worried about skin cancer at the time, more worried about (laughs) wrinkles. Obviously now I have higher of not wanting skin cancer, but, uh, I love that sunscreen ladies. Mm -hmm. Really important. Mm-hmm. Well, last question we'll ask you and then we'll have you tell everyone where to find you and how they can follow you and get in touch. But what are you reading right now? Oh God. Okay. So full disclosure, one of my guiltiest pleasures, this is a long winded answer. This is not a rapid fire answer. My guiltiest pleasure in life is every day I spend like 20, 30 minutes reading like some sort of like chiclet, like just beach reads, like silly stuff like that. And I, I kid you not the library and my iPhone is, is, is quite something. Um, and so I'm currently reading this book called, um, the air affair and it's a two part book. I don't even know who the author is. I can look for us, but it's basically like an American goes to England and falls in love with the prince and like what happens then. But, and I'm not a big Royal fan person, but I just freaking love any book that you can just like open up. It's an easy read. You can fall in love with the characters. You don't have to overthink it. 
And like, I've always been such a bookworm that to me, like 20 or 30 minutes of reading is like very restorative for me. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So um, any sort of chiclet out there, I got you guys covered. I have a list. It is, it is long. (laughs) Oh, I'm coming to you because this, what you just described is my new checkout. That I think it's been, Morgan, has it been a couple of years now that I've, it's been since at least Oliver, actually, when I was pregnant with Ollie, that I would like, I'll grab. And I started with the Big Little Lies mm-hmm. book. And then from, I mean, from there, I've, I just, there's always something on my nightstand that I'm flip, you know, couple pages, couple chapters a night just to unwind. Big fan. Love it. I will just screenshot my whole library for you. No judgment. No judgment. Just, you know, just say yes or no. I love it. Well, especially with the amount of reading that you did in law school, you deserve Mm -hmm. to just... Thanks, Morgan. Take a break from all of that for the rest of your life. (laughs) Snap. Well, tell everyone where they can get in touch with you, how they can follow you, all the fun stuff. I would love to. I would love, love, love to connect with all of you guys online, offline, all of that. You can find me. I'm very active on social media. You can find me. I'm at Danielle, D-A-N-I-E-L-L-E dot stead, S-T-E-A-D. Super easy. You guys can also go to my website, DanielleStedBlanton.com. I hope that by the time this podcast is live, I'm in the middle of a website revamp and we're like 90% there, which is super exciting. So I hope by the time this goes live and you guys get there, you'll see a really beautiful new site. Um, I have a weekly blog that I publish. It's all business uh, tips and tricks. It's all very actionable things for you. But if you have questions, comments, concerns, you want to talk about money, I'm here guys. I'm always here for you. If you want to talk about chick books, if you want to talk about running, anything that makes your heart happy will make my heart happy. That's the moral of the story. I just want to get to connect, make the world a little bit smaller, make the world a little happier. Oh, I'm happier than I was an hour ago. So thank you for being with us today. I love it. uh, Yes. Thank you for all you do for the WEFA community. And thank you for being on the podcast. I am so excited to be here. So same time, same place next week. Yes. (laughs) Right. We just do this all the time. (laughs) Yes. Why not? Oh, well, thank you ladies for both having me on this podcast for creating a space for women and creating a platform that you guys truly hand the microphone off. That's very special and rare in this world. And um, I'm getting the chill saying this, and I'm just so appreciative Mm. that you, I get to be on the receiving end of your microphone. Truly. Mm. Oh, take the mental photo. Thank you. I know. Right. (laughs) Thank you, Danielle. Always. All right. So now that we're all crying, let's all go back to our jobs. (laughs) (laughs) Danielle, that was awesome. Thank you. Oh my gosh. Thank you for just truly just having me and including me and letting me be a part of this. It's so special. And um, I wouldn't say it if I didn't mean it.